It's a Tuesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Taylor Charleston will be in with a feature report, and I'll have a look at regional and national agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you. The California Department of Food and Agriculture is pleased to announce a project selected for 2021 State Water Efficiency and Enhancement Program Southern Desert Region Pilot Grant Awards. 17 agricultural operations located in parts of Riverside and Imperial Counties have been selected, totaling $2.7 million. These projects will improve crop irrigation systems, resulting in an estimated 48,500 acre feet of water savings over the course of 10 years. The 2021 Sweep Southern Desert Region list of selected projects is available on the CDFA website. CDFA Sweep Team prepared a pilot solicitation targeted at agricultural areas located in the Southern Desert Region, a region defined as Imperial County and Riverside County. Three years of drought and little to no water allocated to Klamath Basin farmers and ranchers. New temporary operating procedures for the Klamath Water Project are prioritizing protected fish over the needs of agriculture. The Directive for Meeting Endangered Species Act requirements for sucker fish is increasing frustrations for irrigators. And despite recent rainfalls that boosted accumulated water to 100% normal, the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation said the Klamath Basin remains in a severe to extreme drought status. Floral sales are soaring because of Valentine's Day today, and it's more than just the season that is driving a trend. The cut flower sector has been in a renaissance since the pandemic, as many floral customers have come to see home bouquets as a regular part of self-care. Valentine's Day typically trails only Mother's Day in volume of flowers sold and is often the highest revenue event of the year. If you are a California farmer, rancher, or forest landowner who improves soil health, water quality, and wildlife habitat on your working land, you are invited to apply for the 2023 California Leopold Conservation Award. Sand County Foundation and national sponsor American Farmland Trust present the Leopold Conservation Award to private landowners in 25 states for extraordinary achievement and voluntary conservation. In California, the $10,000 award is presented with state partners, Sustainable Conservation, and California Farm Bureau Federation. Given in honor of renowned conservationist Aldo Leopold, the award recognizes landowners who inspire others with their dedication to land, water, and wildlife habitat management on private working land. In his influential 1949 book, A Sand County Almanac, Leopold called for an ethical relationship between people and the land they own and manage. Nominations may be submitted on behalf of a landowner or landowners may nominate themselves. Applications are reviewed by an independent panel of agricultural and conservation leaders. The application can be found on the Sand County website at sandcountyfoundation.org. The application deadline is July 18th of 2023. 
Most people probably thought the danger from the deadly atmospheric river storms that have ravaged California this winter passed after the floodwater receded, but experts say the danger will actually continue throughout the fire season. This year, the storms dropped historical amounts of rain and snow across the Golden State over a three-week period from December to January. State officials blame these strong storms for the deaths of more than 20 people, including a five-year-old boy who was washed away from his mother on his way to school. Even after the rivers returned to their banks, the mudslides stabilized and sinkholes were shored up. The danger, however, is not over. Attention now turns to what is growing across hills, mountains, and valleys. Spectacular desert flower blooms not seen in years and lush green brush. In 2017, the U.S. Geological Survey studied the relationship between atmospheric rivers and a severity of wildfire season. The heavy precipitation that atmospheric rivers bring increases soil moisture, which in turn spurs vegetation growth and temporarily inhibits fires, according to the authors of this study. However, after a couple months of vegetation dries out and provides more fuel to feed fires than would normally be available, resulting in a larger wildfire season. California cherry growers are optimistic that they will have a good season, which will get underway at the end of April. They're optimistic based on a very good chill season, according to Nick Lukic of Delta Packing Company. He says they've accumulated above what they had last year on chill in all the major growing districts. There are key ingredients they need for a successful season, and the number one ingredient is chill with a good winter where the trees get a good rest. Couple that with the strong precipitation that California saw in both December and January. He says they're filling the reservoirs and getting good groundwater, and they're also getting a lot of snowpack in the Sierras for water for late in the summer, so he says that's very, very good. California is also coming off a lighter 2022 cherry crop where it had roughly 50% of the crop packed in just over 5.2 million boxes. That's down from the over 10 million boxes it packed in 2021, which was a record year. The thinking, he says, is that this year the trees may have stored up some energy from last year. The state's potential is 10 million plus boxes if every growing district has a good yield. For the last 10 years, it was about six and a half to seven million boxes on average. So right now they're just calling this an above average crop. That said, last year also saw an earlier start to the season following a dry and warm January. This year's potential start on April 25th would be five to seven days later or hitting a more normal start to the season. On the demand side, expectations are that demand will be good and Lukic is already speaking with retailers about their upcoming California cherry plans. The challenge he notes will be to set cherry pricing that factors in inflation on both sides of the equation for growers with those increased costs and for consumers with notably tighter wallets this year. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. 
The California wine industry crushed slightly more than 3.6 million tons of fruit in 2022, down about 6.7% from 2021. The figures come from the preliminary grape crush report released recently by the National Agricultural Statistics Service. The 2022 crush also was the smallest crop since 2011, and it caught many in the industry by surprise, according to Johnny Leonardo, a grape and bulk wine broker for Ciotti and Company in Novato. The industry considers average about 4 million tons. That was a surprise. I mean, we assumed that it was going to be lighter than last year. You know, based on uh, what we call an average crop crushed in California, we call it usually 4 million tons, 4.1 million tons. That being said, we kind of knew this was going to be, you know, the fourth light crop in a row. But it's definitely lighter than what we thought it was going to be. Whether the light crop is a good thing depends on your perspective. Leonardo said it might be a good thing considering the sluggish consumer demand for wine. But if you're a grower who sustained drought or frost damage, it may not be desirable. I guess it depends on how you look at it. Um, It's not necessarily a bad thing considering how we've seen some sluggish sales numbers on the case good side. So anytime you could lower inventory uh, it's helpful for the industry. Now, of course, if you're a grower, it's it's may not be the greatest thing, and especially under the circumstances which we believe the majority of the crop was light, and that was due to you know frost and and drought and and things that severely affect yields in specific areas. The harvest also saw a flip flop, and Cabernet overtaking Chardonnay as the industry leader. In 2022, Cabernet accounted for 15.4% of the overall crush compared to 14.4% for Chardonnay. Altogether, red wine varieties comprise the largest share of the crush with about 1.88 million tons, down 7.2% from 2021. Whites totaled 1.46 million tons, down 8.6% from 2021. Normally in a light year, Leonardo said Ciotti would expect buyers looking for grapes or bulk wine to make up for the shortfall, but he said they're not seeing it. This is particularly true with value-priced wines under $10 for a 750-milliliter bottle. Much of the crop produced in the Central Valley or the interior districts go into those wines. And he said consumers aren't trading down to those value-priced wines like they have during past economic downturns. The white Chardonnay was, was was down quite a bit, and, and this is the first year. Chardonnay is always the king with regards to total tonnage. It's always the, the tonnage the leader, and this is the first time that Cabernet is actually the most harvested variety of all the main varieties. It's the first time it ever overtook Chardonnay, and we kind of saw this coming as an industry, I think, because there have been some replantings and newer 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 vineyards come on, whereas Chardonnay really hasn't been replanted yet. But but as far as bright spots, the, the it's funny because Ciotti, we we have to take in the current bulk wine inventory along with the latest harvest and kind of put it all together. And traditionally, if there was a light harvest, you would see a reaction from the industry. You'd see wineries buying buying grapes to make up for the light harvest. You'd see wineries buying an increased activity of, of bulk wine to make up for the lighter harvest. And we really aren't seeing any of that. And I think that is kind of a, a telltale sign of really how sluggish the case good sales are, which is which is concerning. I mean, the consumers have, for whatever reason, haven't traded down, so to speak, to value priced bottles like they have in the past when, when the economy is slower. So those those brands that are under $10 per bottle have been struggling. So a lot of the grapes that are grown in the valley, in the interior, those are grapes that go to some of those programs. 
Another challenge to the wine market is a number of alternative alcoholic beverages, such as ready-to-drink cocktails and seltzers, competing for the attention of younger adults. It's difficult to call as, you know, each, each year there's a new wave of 21-year-olds, but it, it certainly seems to be that that's the case, or at least that there's definitely way more options at that lower entry level of just alcohol in general than there has been in the past. I mean, with all the, the drinks that you referenced, the, the seltzers and the ready-to-drink uh, drinks, they didn't exist 10, 15 years ago. So now it's just uh, entry-level alcohol in general is kind of all competing for itself. Bulk wine is traded globally. In the case of a particular variety being light, Leonardo said wineries in that value-priced market may import bulk wines from abroad to make up for the shortfall. And that's happened recently with the California Pinot Grigio crop being off. But if California has a large crop, he said the opposite isn't necessarily true because the U.S. has a higher cost of production than some other countries. The, the main effect would be is if a particular variety is, is lighter in the California crush, it could be supplemented by bringing in wine from other countries. So, and that's particularly the valley because the the lower end, the value end wines that the that the valley grapes go into, those are the those are the wines that tend to get supplemented by by imports. So, uh, for instance, if Pinot Grigio, there actually was a lighter crop of Pinot Grigio in California, that could mean that wineries that have Pinot Grigio in a bottle may need to go abroad to, to Italy or to Australia to buy bulk Pinot Grigio to supplement for, for the light crop. So I think that's, that's the biggest effect, really, when we, have, uh, when we have a light crop in certain areas, it could be supplemented with imports. Uh, usually, if we have a big crop here, it doesn't necessarily get exported because the price is still not low, as low as other countries are. Ciotti is a broker of grapes and bulk wine and deals with wineries as well as growers. Leonardo said all of the markets are intertwined, so if grape prices are up, wineries may opt to buy bulk wine from a year ago if the price is lower. And since the COVID pandemic, he said wineries have had more difficulty trying to forecast wine sales and the associated need to buy grapes or bulk wine. So we're a bulk wine, grape, and, and uh, grape concentrate broker. So we don't, you know, we don't take positions. We don't buy anything. Wineries will come to us if they are a seller of bulk wine or if they're a buyer of bulk wine. And then growers will come to us if they or need help selling grapes. And, and wineries come, come to us if they need help buying grapes. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how we, we operate as far as bulk wine goes. I mean, that is a daily, daily part of the business with virtually every winery just because, you know, grapes are, are uh, it's too difficult to, to predict how many tons you're going to have, how many gallons you're going to end up with, how many gallons you're going to need, depending on what your sales are. So there's a lot of factors there and it's kind of fluid and ever changing. And to, to hit it right on the mark on your projections is probably impossible. So yeah, there's always, there's always a little bit of buying and selling going on with the bulk wine. And, and a lot of times the great market is affected by the bulk wine inventory, right? So if, if there's a lot of Cabernet, for instance, from 2021 that's on, that's on the market, that might influence whether or not a winery goes out and buys grapes this year or, or just uses bulk wine because uh, the, the price could be better. Since really, uh, certainly since COVID, sales projections, projections have been very difficult. Wineries are really struggling trying to project sales, trying to project buying 
strategies. Uh, so that's that's really we've gotten to the point now where nobody wants to hold inventory. So buyers are kind of waiting until the very last second till all their numbers are double checked and triple checked, and they're absolutely sure of what they need, and that's when they buy. <laughs> the recent crush report is just preliminary. And the National Agricultural Statistics Service plans to release the final version with minor revisions in early March. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees' pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. USA's Economic Research Service expects 2023 farm incomes to decline nearly 16% compared to 2022 due to lower cash receipts, smaller government payments, and higher production expenses. Recently, the agency forecast total net farm income at $136.9 billion for the 2023 calendar year. After adjusting for inflation, it'd be the fifth highest net farm income since 2022. Net cash income, which does not include economic depreciation, changes in inventories, and a cost of operating dwellings is forecast to decline nearly 21% relative to 2022 to $150.6 billion. President Joe Biden in a State of the Union speech yesterday looked to fire up his base with plans for immigration and labor reform, tax increases for wealthier people, and a list of proposals that will likely struggle to gain traction in a divided Congress grappling with a debt limit. He directly challenged GOP lawmakers over budget plans, calling for House Republicans to propose a budget at the same time his administration releases his proposed budget. He was quoted as saying he wants to discuss our mutual plans together. Last week, the full committee on agriculture met to talk about the 2023 Farm Bill. Chairman Glenn G.T. Thompson specifically talked about the forestry title of the Farm Bill. He says he understands the challenges for forest managers as he is a former chairman of the Conservation Energy and Forestry Subcommittee. Although the recent infrastructure law provided more than $3 billion to the Forest Service for restoration and fire prevention activities, funding alone won't address the urgent needs that we have in forest communities and across the national forest system. If we truly are going to make progress on the tens of millions of acres that are overgrown and in need of immediate treatment, we need every tool available and consider others that will promote forest health and help meet our long-term management goals. Representative Thompson said that proper forest management leads to climate benefits. Now, while some continue to call for reworking the conservation programs in Title II to emphasize climate benefits, forestry and management must also be a major part of that conversation. The Farm Bill's forestry title presents an enormous opportunity to generate climate benefits, though what I'd call uh, natural solutions. Which he says would restore forest health, decrease the intensity and likelihood of wildfires, and create more carbon storage opportunities. Additionally, he promoted sustainable harvest, saying that it creates not only forest health, but also economic health for forested communities. 
As conversations over the 2023 Farm Bill intensify in the coming months, all corners of the farming economy will watch the debate very closely for a variety of reasons. But what about the ag lending community? Ed Elfman, Senior Vice President for Ag and Rural Banking Policy for the American Bankers Association in Washington, D.C., says they will watch the Farm Bill debate, if nothing else, to understand how the new legislation will impact farm loans. Some have expressed concerns that because of the large amounts of ad hoc payments over the past couple couple of years because of COVID-19 and supply chain disruption, future ad hoc payments could be limited. Elfman says moving away from ad hoc doesn't concern him. You can't determine an ad hoc payment, right? So farmer suddenly gets a check for 64000 or whatever. You can't write that into your cash flow. It just comes out of nowhere. Um, all you can do is help manage that you know, asset acquisition and make sure that it fits into the overall plan. So what we're watching more is what the overall programs look like, right? So if you change reference prices on ARC and PLC, what would that do to cash flow statements? That's more the way we look at it. Elfman added when it comes to the actual government payments popping in and out, since they are ad hoc, he says bankers don't rely on them or follow them too much. It's actually funny when uh, direct payments went away. That was something in hindsight we didn't realize how much how easy it made it for us because we knew what a producer was guaranteed to receive now we have producers that i mean they'll get a check in september that was not an anticipated part of what we were doing so i think lending's changed uh, quite a bit since the 2018 farm bill went in place because we had to adhere to the kind of these new rules right and then banking regulations require us not to just pick a number and hope it works, right? We've got to work through that process. So are we watching? Are we worried? In a way, um, I'd probably say we're more worried about if there are any potential cuts to crop insurance. We'd worry about that a lot more than some program changes. Again, that was Ed Elfman with the American Bankers Association. A recent USDA study looks at both challenges and opportunities regarding the access to farmland for beginning and socially disadvantaged producers. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. We find that the percentage of socially disadvantaged and the percentage of getting farming operations are negatively correlated with things like average lease size and positively correlated with the percentage of rented farmland. Among the findings from a recent USDA Economic Research Service study on issues and challenges associated with beginning and socially disadvantaged advantage producers acquiring or accessing farmland. Economic researcher Scott Callahan is among the authors of this study. In addition to that, we find that for social disadvantaged operations specifically, they're negatively correlated with the percentage of cropland acreage and positively correlated with successful applications to farm service agency loan programs and conservation reserve program acreage at the county level. The study is part of a 2018 Farm Bill request by Congress for the Agriculture Department to look at potential barriers and solutions regarding farmland access for beginning and socially disadvantaged farmers. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the western United States. 
Everywhere you go, you see West Coast, not magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 